0: All right. well, uh, if you uh, would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Daniel uh, chapter 3. Hold your place at verse 16. Uh, We'll look at verses 16 through 18 here in a few minutes. We'll also uh, put the verse on the screen uh, for those of you that are having trouble seeing your Bibles in our new lighting arrangement. Uh, By the way, that is continuing to be evaluated, so pro-dim lights people, you're good for now. Uh, pro Bright lights people, your day may come again real soon we'll we'll see. We'll let you know. Um, so all right. How many of you are familiar with the phrase, "No good deed goes unpunished? Let me see your hand. How many of you feel as though no good deed goes unpunished? <laughs> it It does seem like that sometimes. Uh, at least to me, it seems like that sometimes. I would imagine it does for many of you. You know, you're in a work group at your job and and uh, your contribution gets special commendation from your boss. You think that's a good thing. But your work group thinks that's a bad thing. And suddenly you're sort of, you know, on the receiving end of some negativity. Uh, you see a dear friend making... Uh, horrible choices in their lives. You think these are choices that have the potential to completely wreck their lives. And so in love, you, you speak up. You, you know, you're, you're gentle. You try to, you know, put all kinds of disclaimers in front of it. Hey, you know, maybe it's not any of my business, but I care about you and I, I love you and I see this happening. And so have you considered that maybe you shouldn't be doing this? And uh, they end your Friendship. No good deed goes unpunished. Uh, You offer to help organize an event at your kid's school. You offer to help. And then everybody else bails out on the event. And you're now the leader of the event. It's not going to happen unless you do it. And you take dinner to someone who's recovering from surgery. And you spill the spaghetti sauce on their white carpet... As you're carrying it into their kitchen. And you can tell that they're trying really hard not to act upset with you. But you can tell that they are really upset with you. And even though you understand why they're upset with you. You sort of wonder why does anybody have white carpet? <laughs> why, why do people do that? You try to help a little old lady across the street. But in doing so, you accidentally step on her foot. And she hits you with her purse. And it's a heavy purse. No good deed goes unpunished. It it often seems like that is true. And sometimes we can feel that that also applies to when we're trying to be obedient to God. To when we're trying to live faithfully for Him. You know, you're rushing to get your family to church on time. How many of you rush to get your family to church on time? It's okay. You load all the kids in the van, and then the van won't start. And Thankfully, in America, many of us have a a second vehicle, so we say, okay, this isn't a big deal. We'll just transfer over to the car. But as you're transferring over to the car, Johnny slams Sally's finger in the door. And Sally lets out a blood-curdling scream that does not stop for at least a good 45 minutes. You feel God call you to enter a leadership position in a ministry. And as soon as you become the leader, lots of people feel called to a different ministry. (laughs) You take a stand with one of your siblings who uh, claims to... uh, be faithful to Christ, claims to be living for Christ, but has decided that she's going to move in with her boyfriend. And your whole family, professing Christians, every single one, tell you to quit being so uptight and judgmental that really what business is it of yours? Your college professor mocks your faith, so you defend it. Gently. Carefully, articulately, but you still defend it. And now suddenly you cannot seem to work hard enough to get a good grade in the class. You make a change in your life. It's a good change. It's a it's a needed change, but someone will not allow you to move beyond your past. They keep looking at you as the person that you were, keep reminding you of the person. That you were. You know, sometimes faithfulness to the Lord directly leads to hardship. You know, the, the hardship would not have happened if you had not been obedient to God. Now, there are a lot of churches and a lot of Christians who try to pretend that this is not true, but it is. They, they want to believe that what God has promised Christians throughout life is in the words of Phil Robertson, happy, happy, happy. I didn't do that imitation very good, I'm sorry. But happy all the time. But God hasn't promised that. They want to believe that from morning to night, 365 days a year, what always awaits Christians is favor and blessing, followed by blessing and favor, Followed by more favor and more blessing. But that does not square with what we see in the scriptures. And it does not square with the reality that most of us experience in our own lives. Sometimes faithfulness to the Lord leads directly to hardship. A pastor and a team start a church. But they get informed that using the reception hall for the church violates the zoning the church struggles two years in there's only a handful of people it's not what they expected it's not it's it's not what they thought would happen because they were being obedient to god but it has not gone well you start a bible study at work that you felt called to start but someone complains and now your employer is upset that you've caused trouble in the office you refuse to carry out an unethical directive from your boss And now you are without a job. You choose to be completely honest on your income tax return. Which is something Christians need to do. Amen. Amen. No amens on that. (laughs) But that's resulted in you not having enough money for some things that you need money for. It's creating a very tight situation for you. And if you're honest and you pay what you owe, you don't know how the money you need is going to be there, where it's going to come from. You're obedient to share the gospel with your neighbor. God has been nudging you for a long time to do that. You finally, you finally do it. And now you don't get invited to the block parties anymore. It's really awkward because they're right in front of your house. (laughs) but but you're not invited. Your boyfriend or girlfriend who claims to be a Christian puts pressure on you to become physically intimate. You say no. And so the relationship has ended. You know, you've made the right decision. You know, you've made the God honoring decision, but you really cared for him or her. And, and so you're, you're hurt. You're You're frustrated, you're kind of disillusioned, and you go to your friends for comfort and encouragement, and they shock you by saying, you think maybe you're being a little too prudish? The book of Daniel in chapter 3 introduces us to three young men whose faithfulness to God led them directly to a place of hardship. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these were three Jewish young men who were uh, carried off to Babylon as captives uh, under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar during the time that Jehoiakim uh, was king of Judah. So they are living as captives in a foreign land. And they are such excellent young men that Nebuchadnezzar recognizes their great giftings and he places them in very important positions as officials within his government. They are servants of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But they are in a culture that does not share their faith. They are in a pagan culture. And so this king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, he builds a golden idol. And he issues a decree. He gives a commandment that all of the people of Babylon at the appointed time are to bow down and they are to worship the golden idol. And of course, as uh, young men who are faithful to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, can have no other gods uh, before Yahweh. They cannot serve any other god. They do not want to serve any other god. And so when the appointed time comes, they refuse to bow. They refuse to worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And so some malicious men see what they've done. Likely these are men who were jealous of their position, wondering how these, these young men from, uh, from Judah were able to rise to the positions that they were in. So malicious men report their refusal to bow and worship back to Nebuchadnezzar. And we're told in uh, verse 13 uh, that Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that these three young men would be brought before him. They are, and he confirms with them that they had refused to bow and worship the idol he had built. So he gives them another chance. He issues an ultimatum to them. He tells them that they can either bow down to the idol and worship it, or they can be thrown into a fiery furnace. A burning fiery furnace, the Bible calls it. It's like really emphasizing this, a burning, fiery (laughs) furnace. And those are their options. And he taunts their faith in God. He asks them, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hand? I put you into that furnace, what what God is going to be able to deliver you from that. Now, here is something that is incredibly important to understand about this story. Until his refusal to bow and worship... These three young men seem to have had the favor of Nebuchadnezzar. They were officials in his administration. The trouble that they find themselves in, the danger that they're now facing, the risk of death that is before them is entirely because they have chosen to be faithful to God. That's the entire reason. This trouble has not come to them as discipline This trouble is not a result of them failing to be obedient to God. It is precisely because they have been obedient to God. Faithfulness to God, obedience to God, has directly led to the hardship, the danger... That they now face. And so this leads us to our text for today, Daniel 3 16 through 18, uh, which we'll show on the screen. Uh, By the way, today I'll mention that I am using the English Standard Version of the Bible, uh, so there may be some subtle differences if you're following along uh, in the NIV. So within these verses, in the example of these commendable young men, we're going to find how faith responds to hardship, how it responds to difficulty, and even danger. We're going to find how people who want to please God respond when their obedience to God has led them to a place of great difficulty. So follow along as I read this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king." But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So their faithfulness has placed them in this dangerous situation. And we see in their response how faithful people are to respond when obedience to God places them in this type of situation. First of all, they said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Their personal situation does not change. It does not diminish their confidence in God. They know that God is all-powerful. They know that there is no situation that is outside of God's control. They know that just because they're in a tight spot, it does not diminish at all the capabilities of the one who spoke everything that is into existence. And so they have no reservations about this. The situation isn't too big for God. The situation is not beyond God's control. They know deep down in their being that God is able to deliver them. This is the response to obedience-caused hardship that pleases God. No matter what our circumstances, job loss, financial pressure, disapproval of neighbors, unfruitful ministry, loss of a relationship, even danger to our physical bodies, we know that God is able to deliver us out of any of those circumstances. God can provide another job. God can send financial provision from an unexpected source. God can breathe new life into a ministry that appears to be dead and it can become fruitful again. God can protect us from harm. The the faith that pleases God is the faith that can look hardship and danger straight in the face and declare with conviction, God is able to deliver me. But then they go even further. They say, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. They they don't just believe that God is able to deliver them, they believe that God will deliver them. What is faith? What do we start out with at the beginning of the series? It is the substance of things hoped for, it is the evidence of things not seen. I believe that there are too many Christians, and and often I am one of these Christians, who believe that God can do things, but we don't actually believe God will do anything. We will never take God-inspired risk, which is what this series is about, if you only believe that God is able to do stuff. You'll only be able to take those risks when you get to the place where you believe that God will do those things. You're not going to take a big chance for able. You'll take the chance when you believe God will. You won't witness to your friend if you only believe that God is able to save them. You'll witness to your friend when you are convinced that God will save your friend. And that he wants to use you to bring them to himself. You won't say no to your boyfriend's or girlfriend's attempts to lead you away from faithfulness to God. If you only believe that God uh, is able to bring you a Christ-honoring companion. You're going to have to believe that he will bring you a Christ-honoring companion. You're not going to start that Bible study at work believing that God is... Able to reach people at your job. You'll start that Bible study when you come to believe that he will reach people at your job. You're not going to plant that church if you limit your thinking to God could do it. You're only going to take that step when you, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, can say, God will do this. When you've stepped out in faith, you've been met with resistance... Say that church you planted isn't doing so well. That ministry you stepped up to lead isn't isn't being very fruitful. The loneliness that you now feel because you told that boyfriend or girlfriend, no, I'm not going to go along with your plan that displeases God has brought loneliness. It's hurtful. The job loss can be a devastating thing. You need to be able to believe that God isn't just capable of delivering you from all of those circumstances, but that God will deliver you. Faith responds to obedience-caused hardship by believing that God can deliver and by also believing that God will deliver. But if we stop there, we don't fully understand the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if we stop there, we don't fully understand how faith responds to hardship. And if we stop there, we don't really understand what biblical faith is. We don't understand how Christians should face difficulty and hardship, risk, and danger. They said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us from your hand, O King. But if not. But if not be it known to you that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that God was able to deliver them from Nebuchadnezzar. They absolutely believed that not only was he able, but that he would deliver them from Nebuchadnezzar. But their commitment to God was such that even if he chose not to deliver them, They still were not going to serve any other God. They still were not going to give their allegiance to an idol. But if not, how do you take God-inspired risks? How do we say yes to an assignment that God gives us that is too big for us? It feels too big for us. How do we face hardship and even danger for the cause of Christ? By believing that God can deliver us. God can give us the success in the thing that he's called us to. You know, he's sovereign over the entire cosmos. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. The creator and sustainer of everything That is, We believe that whatever he calls us to do, he will empower us to do. We can take God-inspired risk because we know that our God is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. And we can take God-inspired risk because we know that he's not just able, but we believe that he will, that God actually will make good on what he's able to do. We believe deep down in our being that if God has called us to it, He will perform it through us. We aren't just confident in his ability. We are confident in his willingness to bring his abilities to bear on our circumstance. But if we stop there, we are not yet fully ready to take a God-inspired risk. We're not really where we need to be in terms of our relationship with God. We haven't really settled everything that we need to settle In our minds. Before we can take God inspired risk. We need to believe that God is able. We need to believe that God will. But we need to have the faith of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. We need to have the faith that says. But if not. I'm still going to do. What God has told me to do. But if not. I'm still going to live for him. Even if he doesn't deliver me from the danger, I'm still going to live for him. Even if he doesn't make the ministry the success that I thought it would be, I'm still going to be faithful if he's really called me to it. I'm still going to live for him. I'm still going to do what God told me to do. Now, most of you know how this story ends Nebuchadnezzar has the furnace heated up hotter than it's ever been. He has Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the furnace. The furnace is so hot that the people who throw them in are killed. It's hot. But after just what in the scripture just seems like just mere moments, Nebuchadnezzar is looking in and he notices something. He sees these three young men walking around in the furnace. And he sees something else. He sees a fourth man that he says to him looks like a son of the gods. And so he calls them out of the furnace. He praises the God that they serve. And I love that the Bible tells us that their heads were not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and there was not even a smell of fire on them. God was able to deliver them, and God did deliver them. And that's great. And we rejoice about that, and God often does that. But that's not our point for today. The point is that they had determined to serve their able and willing God, even if he didn't do what he could do, And what they thought he would do. They were going to serve no matter what. Deliverance or no deliverance. They were going to be obedient to God. They were going to have no other gods before him. They were going to serve him alone. They were going to be faithful to his claim on their lives. They were going to be obedient no matter what. And if we are going to accept the assignments that God gives us if we're going to be willing to step out of our comfort zone and take God-inspired risk, yes, we need to believe God is able. Yes, we need to believe that God will. But we're going to need to be settled in our minds that we are going to be obedient to God no matter what. We need to be able to say things like this. You know, I believe God is able to use my witness to bring my neighbor to faith in him. I believe that he will allow me to speak to my neighbor. That that our relationship will be able to to make it through. Me me taking this this opportunity to kind of, you know, force my faith on them as they say. I, I believe I'll be able to do that. Our friendship will be able to be strong. And I believe they're going to come to faith in Christ. But, if not... If it means that my neighbor gets offended, I'm still going to be obedient to what God is nudging me to do. Taking this risk requires us to have, but if not, faith. You say, I know God is able to send a financial blessing my way if I'll be obedient to him. Be honest on my tax return, even though it's going to leave me in a tight spot. I believe he's going to reward that obedience. He will do it. But if not If the money that I believe he's going to send to me Doesn't come I'm still going to obey him Still going to do what's right You say I'm going to honor God with my body I'm not going to have sex until I'm married No matter how many boyfriends and girlfriends I have to send away Because they won't accept that answer You know I really believe that God is able to send me somebody who's going to want to honor Christ the way I've committed to. I I, I know he's able to do that. I believe he will send me someone who's going to care about this and take this as seriously as I do. But if not, and if I have to remain single longer than I ever dreamed, that's okay. I'm still going to be obedient to God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faithful, and God delivered them. But that is not always the outcome. Not the way it always is. Stephen was faithful to God in Acts 6, and he was stoned to death. John the Baptist was faithful to God. None greater among men than John the Baptist. And he had his head chopped off. They had but if not faith. Sometimes the outcome we desire doesn't happen. Not because God isn't able... Not even so much because he isn't willing, but he just may choose to glorify himself differently in us. He he may choose to glorify himself in us by having us remain faithful in the face of incredible difficulty. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood something we would do well to believe, and that's this they were going to be delivered. One way or another, they were going to be delivered. The only question was whether they would be delivered from death or whether they would be delivered in death. But they were going to be delivered. Either way, Nebuchadnezzar had no power over them. They were in the care of a God, just as you are in the care of a God, who loves his people so much... That he has set this thing up to where even when the worst that we can imagine happens, we're still okay. We're still all right. We're still with him. So we're free. We're free to serve him no matter what. Matt Chandler is. um, mid-30s pastor of a megachurch in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas. About three years ago, he was diagnosed with an incurable form of brain cancer and given two years to live. Now, you have to understand, by Matt's own testimony, he says that up until this point in his life, literally everything he had touched in his life had worked. Anything he did, anything he set his mind to do, it was... You know, as if God just blessed it beyond his wildest dreams. I saw him in a conference about four months after his surgery for brain cancer, and he stood before the crowd. Now, understand, he has little kids. You know, he has a wife. Some some little kids running around under 10 years old. He stood in front of this crowd and declared that with whatever time he had left, he wanted his life to glorify God. He desired healing, but if... Healing didn't come. He still trusted that, that God was going to use his life however God wanted to and his concern was to glorify God. I saw him again at a conference this past spring and by that point he had outlived his initial prognosis and he stood before the conference and he expressed his thankfulness for being alive and he expressed his thankfulness to God for still being cancer free. And he noted how Everyone always comments to him now. Because he's outlived his prognosis, because he's still cancer-free, everyone says to him, hasn't God been good to you? And he said a simple yet powerful statement. He said, yes, God has been good to my family. God has been good to me. But even if I had already died... God would have still been good to us. Yeah, he's been good in healing me and sustaining me, but if that's not the way it worked, if I was already dead and my children fatherless, God still was good to us. He believes God can give him a full-length life. I'm guessing he's trusting that God will give him a full-length life. But his faith is such that even if it does not go the way that he hopes, he's going to love, serve, and obey God. He has but if not faith. And friends, if we are going to take God-inspired risk, we have to have but if not faith. Maybe God is nudging you to talk to your boss about Jesus. But you know your boss doesn't even believe in God. What do you do? Not only does he not believe in God, but he's not exactly a friendly person. And you worry what the ramifications for obedience To this assignment might be. You need to be able to believe that God is able to reach your boss. You you need to believe that God will soften your boss's heart. And make him receptive. You need to believe that God will protect your job. If you are obedient to him. But if not. If obedience results in hardship. If God is directing it. You must still be obedient, but if not faith. Maybe you're called to appeal to a Christian friend that they need to turn away from a sinful habit. You believe that God is going uh, to, to enable you to do this in a way that they'll respond well. You believe God will reach them with the truth and protect your friendship at the same time. But if not, if God is calling you to do it, You must be obedient to what he's called. Maybe you're called to foreign missions. You believe God is calling you to another country. He wants you to reach lots of people for him. You know he's able to use you that way. You believe he will use you that way. But what if you're obedient and ten years later... Your ministry has not yielded anywhere near the fruit that you thought it would. Maybe you're called to plant a church. You believe God is speaking to you clearly about it. You know God is able to empower you to plant this church. You know that through you and others, uh, he wants to build a church in that place that he's laid on your heart. You're full of faith about what God is able to do. You're full of faith that he will do it. But what if you could see seven years into the future? And what if seven years down the road, there are very few people in the church? What if the city has fought to keep you from using the building that was offered to you at a low rent? What if the people who started the church with you, have all turned against you, and now they've planted a church across town. Are you still willing? Amen. Amen. Well, here's the deal. Some of you will say that, you know, I'm not sure that that, can possibly be a god-inspired thing to do. I submit to you today that it may very well be a god-inspired thing to do. Sometimes God chooses to glorify himself in us by serving faithfully in an area that's unfruitful. I mean, what if you're the first person in to a restricted nation? You you might need 10 years to get a convert not going to look very successful, but it might be extremely pleasing to God. If God is calling you, now if God's not calling you, you you would be absolutely crazy to sign up for these examples that I've given. But if God is calling you, you ought to be willing to do it. Because the faith that pleases God says this, I know that God is able to use me. Let's say it's the church planting idea. He's able to use me in building this church. I believe he will use me. But if not, if it doesn't go the way that I want it to go, I'm still going to do what God is calling me to do. I'm going to be obedient to his will for my life. By faith, we can do what God calls us to do, knowing that however it turns out, whether it results in blessing coming our way or whether the obedience to God results in hardship being our lot, by faith, we do what God calls us to do, knowing that whatever happens, we are going to be all right. We can do this because we know that whatever happens, God is in control. We know that whatever happens, God will empower us to face it, We know that whatever happens, as long as we're being faithful to God, obedient to God, whether he glorifies himself in our being victorious and successful, or whether he glorifies himself in our facing difficulty and remaining faithful, whichever it is, whatever happens, we're going to be all right. You know that you're ready to take a God-inspired risk when you believe God is able to do what he's called you to do when you believe he will do what he's called you to do, but when you're able to say, but if not, I will still do it. I'll still be obedient. Why don't you stand?